welcome back to Grace Unscripted. As always, I'm your host, Ben Falkenberg. Thanks for tuning in with us again today. Hey, today we got a cool one. I'm joined by Todd Shoemaker, who's the head pastor of our student ministries here at Grace. I've really only gotten to know Todd a little bit over the last couple months, but I really like him. He's a really cool guy, and I'm pretty sure you're going to like him too. So we got to sit down. I got to learn about his life, how he wound up here at Grace, and what he's up to with our 6th through 12th graders. I walked away from our chat together, really thankful that our church has him, that our teenagers have him. So thanks for listening, and welcome to Grace Unscripted. How's it going? It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too. We made it. We made it. I was, it's good to be here, man. We, we were talking. The, the audience is going to laugh because every time we're on here, we're just lamenting the weather. This is going to air in like June, but right now it's sleeting, snowing. I know. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it here this morning. <laughs> I it was, was good. I got out to my truck, and it was just completely a sheet of ice. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I guess winter's here. Winter is here, but yep. that's all right. We, we made it. So thanks for being here with us. I'm excited to have some time thanks, uh, hanging out with you today. So I am sitting today with Todd Shoemaker. Um, Todd, you are the pastor of student ministries, and yep. so that's 6th through 12th grade. Is yeah. that right, here yep. at Grace? Middle school and high school. That's cool. Um, and so b- before we talk about everything that that, that entails, I, w- I want to get to know you a little bit, find out kind of how you got here and kind of what's happening in your life. Um, and so I know that you grew up in Harrisburg, PA, close to Messiah College. That's right. That's a cool area. Yeah, it was a little town called Dillsburg, just south of, of Messiah there. Did you Central ever consider PA. going to Messiah? Or was that like, yeah, I don't I don't want to be a townie. I want to get out of here. Yeah, I wanted to get out of town. Yeah, that's yeah. so figure. Messiah, it was, I guess, on the list, but yeah. ended up going out to Grace College, so main campus in yeah. Indiana. So yep. ma- main campus. All right, now, um, you have a wife named Katie, mm-hmm. correct? And how long have you guys been married? Uh, we've been married four and a half years. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and so where did you meet? Uh, so we're actually both from Central PA. So okay. she grew up just uh, across the river there in Harrisburg, Central okay. PA. And, uh, so how'd you meet? We actually worked at the same restaurant. Did so you really? I had, it was my high school job, and then she worked there in high school. She's a couple years younger than me. So what was the restaurant? It was called Haas's. That's cool. That yeah, Haas's like... Steak and Seahouse. It was a good place, That man. does sound like it. She was like the, the salad bar there. girl, and I was a server. That's so, cool. Yep. So you guys just met there, kind of yeah. just started a friendship, and yep. that's pretty cool. So did you... Uh, did you guys start dating right away, or were you just kind of like the friends for a while, and then you're like, man, this girl's pretty? Yeah, we actually, uh, yeah, we had a friendship for a little bit and then started dating. In fact, our, our dating relationship was long distance for almost eight years. Wow. And uh, So well, how old were so seven you? Seven like years long distance. 17, 18 when here. you meet her? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So you start dating yep. long distance for eight years? Yeah. Wow. It, was, it was pretty crazy. That is crazy. It forces you to learn how to communicate oh, with each other. Grief. So yeah. we look back and it's like, oh, it was a blessing. It was yeah. good. Because I hate the was, phone. Like, yeah, I do too. Now it's like people call me. I'm like, can you just text me? Yeah. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. It but was like I, Skype started to be a thing. Oh, yeah. You know, I do but, remember that. Yeah. It's a new day now. All right. So you, so you meet her. Yeah. Um, pretty confident right away. You're like, this is a little bit special here? Yeah. Okay. It, it was. It's weird. People ask, like, did you know she was the yeah. one? I'm like, there was something different about her the whole time. For sure. I knew Tanya was the one, like, almost immediately. Yep. Um, so, but you, you go out to Grace College. So you're, you're in central PA. You decide I'm going to go to Indiana for college. And what's she doing this time? Uh, so she was wrapping up uh, high school. So she's a couple okay. years younger than me. And then she went out to California University of Pennsylvania. Oh, I have to of specify. Pennsylvania. That's, that yeah. ruins it. I'm thinking, wow, she went all the way to the West coast, <laughs> this beautiful weather. No, of Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area. Okay. So, so she stuck around. You guys yeah. held out. So you dated your entire college. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Yep. Good for you guys. I mean, that's not easy. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, obviously, every relationship yeah. has its bumps, but... That's it cool. Yeah. Um, all right. And so uh, you guys currently have a two-year-old son? 
Yeah, two what, and a half. What's his name? His name's Graham. That's cool. Yeah. You like being a dad? I love it. Oh, it's, he keeps us busy. Though. Oh, yeah. Boys yeah. are nuts. Yeah, they are. They're off the hook and, for uh, sure. And, and Katie's pregnant with number two. Yep. In, due in due May. May. So who knows when this airs? You know, yeah. we might have a little one. You, know, you probably but, will have, an, yeah. have, have a little we'll, one We'll see how it plays out. out you that's, know? that's awesome. <laughs> and you guys find out in a few weeks what you're having? Yep, December 4th. Yeah. We, we found out on the first couple, and then... The third one was a surprise. It was okay. fun, but they, I, I'm a, I like to plan. It, my wife and I are the same way, yeah. and so it's like we're going to find out with this. If we have number three, we might wait. Yeah. But fingers right. crossed. We're hoping for a girl. We'll see. <laughs> you know, <laughs> girls are the best. I I just love the girls. Um, all right, so you end up at Grace College. So yeah. how do you go there? Like you're growing up in, in central PA. How do you like, yeah, I'm going to go to school out in Indiana. Yeah. What's up with that? Well, man, I, I think um, – my personal story ties into this. Okay. You know, Grace College was uh, just a chapter in the journey that God had me on. Um, but it actually goes back to my middle school years. Um, so when I was going into uh, sixth grade, uh, my parents divorced. Um, I remember getting off the bus. It was the last day of school. Mm-hmm. And as I was pulling up to my house on the bus, there was a for sale sign in my front yard. Wow. And so I woke up that morning. All was normal in my mind, right? Yeah. And uh, went off to school for my last day, came home, and there was a for sale uh, sign in my front yard. I'm like, I'm thinking, oh, someone's playing a joke. Yeah. What's happening? And I come in, and, and you could tell my mom was crying. You know, it was uh, just an emotional day for her. And she came in. She's like, hey, uh, I packed some of your stuff. We're going to, you know, go stay at your great-grandmother's house, which was about a half hour away. Um, and, and at the time, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, not thinking what's going yeah. on. And she said, say bye to your dad. And he was passed out on the couch, you know. And so my dad was an alcoholic and just mm. couldn't, um, couldn't snap it, you mm-hmm. know. And I knew that there was uh, that conflict in my parents' relationship. Like you felt um, that Yeah, and, and witnessed it a little bit. But my dad was a, a good man in the sense of he was never verbally or physically abusive whatsoever. He just had the addiction, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, and so I remember my mom saying, hey, I want you to say bye to your dad. And I remember doing so. And uh, I actually didn't realize that that was going to be the last time I'd see my dad in 15 years. Wow. And so there was, um, obviously, that's a big period of time. Holy but in smokes, the moment, yeah. that's not hitting me as a no. middle school kid and thinking, oh, okay, well, here we go. You know, I'm just excited for it to be summer. Yeah, you know, like a weekend at grandma's, it's summer. That's exactly right. And so that summer uh, was the time that I... Uh, jumped into uh, youth group, right? So my mom had me grow up in the church. Mm-hmm. I was actually a Methodist church where I uh, first started. Um, and so I was excited. Youth group time, you know, the, the youth group was pretty healthy, and so I was just excited to jump into those things. And um, So is your mom a Christian? Yeah. Okay. Yep. She she uh, was a follower of Christ her entire life. And, and honestly, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. You know, she's the one that um, kind of put me in the direction I needed to go, and I uh, so appreciate that. Um, long story short, you know, got involved in the youth group, uh, fall time, uh, went on a, a retreat and, uh, youth pastor challenged us to, you know, spend time with God and we were going to be taking communion that night. And, and he's like, Hey, well, want you to prepare your hearts, prepare your minds. And at that time, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't say I had hey, a like relationship 13. with Christ. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm like, okay, here we go. And I just remember sitting out, it was the middle of uh, central PA and I was sitting out in the middle of this, uh, it was called Penn Creek on a big rock water rushing around me. I love being outdoors. So it was like it's my sweet God's spot. country you know, speaks That's exactly me. right. And, uh, and in that moment, I'm like, all right, Lord, here's what I've been challenged to do. I don't even know what this looks like. Mm-hmm. Here I am. And I just remember like opening up my Bible and, and I go into the passage in first Corinthians where it says, man, taking communion in a worthy manner. 
And I, I started processing that as much as I could as a middle school kid, thinking, yeah. what does that look like for me? Yeah. And I realized that there was no relationship. I was just doing what other people were telling me to do. And, mm -hmm. and it was my mom's faith or the faith that people told me to live. It was never my own. And so I remember it was, it was October 18th that day, and, and I'm like, hey, I want to give my life to Christ. And so uh, that was a big uh, chapter in the, the life book so far of, of my life and, yeah. um, and grateful for it. You know, that's when my journey with Christ began. Yeah. Fast forward a couple of months later, uh, I remember my youth pastor, we, we were getting back from a concert. I think it was like Sonic Flood. So like seventh or, or grade now. Seventh grade, yeah. you know. And Sonic we, Flood. Sonic Flood. You remember that? I, right? I do. Yeah. I like, do. Oh, oh, here we go. Church, yeah. <laughs> And so concerts were the cool thing yeah. to do, you know? It's like Newsboys, Sonic Flood. That's exactly yeah. right. And, uh, and so we were coming back from one of these concerts, and it was my youth pastor, Matt, and I, and he was taking me home. And he's like, you know, Todd, I wouldn't be surprised if you ended up in ministry someday. Wow. And that was the seed. He planted the seed. The seed was planted. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, man, Matt's a cool guy, right? Yeah. I would love to do what he does, you know? Yeah. And so that seed was planted. And I remember from that moment on, I'm like, you know what? I think that's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And so getting to Grace College actually started in middle school for me, you know, through uh, a chapter of pain in my life, not even necessarily realizing that I was in the midst of that pain. Um, but Matt showed up. He allowed me to see that there was a heavenly father that took the place of any earthly father. Mm -hmm. And he's planted the seed of ministry. That's and cool. so went through, still a teenager, still was an idiot yeah. at times, oh, yeah. right? Still was on that journey. Um, but God was faithful in all of that, you know, and, and he pointed me in that direction in Grace College was where, um, actually, funny story, I was set on Cedarville. Yeah. Uh, and it's deposit nice in, everything was oh, set. Like, I was ready to go to Cedarville. And, like, last minute, got something in the mail from Grace. And I'm like, you know what? I really feel like I'm supposed to go to Grace College. Hmm. Went there, never visited the campus. You never visited or anything? You just sent? I just went. Wow. Yeah, and it was the best four years of my life. It That's was awesome. cool. Yeah, so what did you study so there? Uh, youth ministry okay, and, so, and so counseling. Let, yeah. let me ask about this. So you go out there, you major right away in youth ministry? Yes. So did you feel called into that, or were you just like, I'm just going to take a step here? I feel like the seed's been planted. My youth pastors kind of said this. Or like, how, how's that work? Yeah, no, it was. I was confident. You felt, I was like, I definitely felt called mm -hmm. into ministry from that seed all the way back What's to that middle feel school like? ministry. Um, it, it's, in a sense, just I felt confident. I felt like the Lord was really affirming every step mm -hmm. that I was pursuing that way. And, and there, were, there were moments where I'm like, really? And I'll be honest, I probably wrestled with it the most in college, mm -hmm. especially when graduation was, like, in sight. <laughs> it yeah. was like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah. like, did I really make the right decision? Yeah. Am I equipped to be able to do this? But then there was a part of me that was anxious and ready to just jump in. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So you get out there, you study. Um, how did that time shape you? You know, it was, um, I think, in my college years were – were the, was the time in my own life where I really wrestled with some of the personal things that I was dealing with, mm -hmm. uh, some of the baggage that um, I had that I didn't even realize that I had. So dad was out of my life. Yeah. Uh, there were multiple times where him and I tried to connect, and he wouldn't show. And so, like, there was yeah. pain yeah. that I was dealing with. Um, but I also had so many close friends and their parents that were surrounding me that I, I almost didn't experience that void until I was in college and, like, life was starting to hit me, mm -hmm. right? I knew that that next chapter was close. I knew ministry was on the horizon full-time. I knew, man, I wanted, you know, Katie and I were dating. I knew that I wanted to, to marry her, right? Mm -hmm. I knew that a family was in the future. And so all of the questions started to hit me. What does it mean to be a husband? What does it mean to yeah. be a dad? What does it mean to be a man? Because you, you haven't know? seen it. I haven't seen it. 
You know, mm-hmm. I haven't really had it modeled to me. I've had godly men in my life that whole route, and, and I'll be honest, that's probably my saving grace if you yeah. think of it. Um, but in college, those were the years that I really started to, to process life a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my senior year, my dad actually wrote a letter to my mom. And in the letter, just senior of college, college okay. yeah, uh, apologizing, you know, to my mom for the actions that he had and wrote in the letter that he had found Christ. Oh, wow. And uh, which was awesome. Yeah. And and the cool part is my mom through that all, you know, through the whole process of middle school to my senior year. She said, hey, I want us to commit to praying for your dad. Right. She was a godly woman. Yeah, She's like, man, cool, I, man, I love your dad, but your dad also has you know, struggles and that he needs to work on those things. And so when we received that letter, like there was just this overwhelming sense of joy on my mom's part uh, in in my life because we had been praying for that for a number amount of years. That's pretty cool. Um, And so I just remember feeling a sense of peace about that. And and as I was wrestling with those questions, um, uh, just of who I was at those years, like it was, it was like, all right. In a sense, God showed up and also affirmed. I'm like, Hey, you're going the right way. Yeah. You know, so from college, that's how I got connected here to Grace. In fact, it was my senior year in college. I got connected to Pastor Brad Deeds Creek. So how did you connect with him? So there is a class that meets here in Akron. Um, okay. It's one of the module classes of the youth ministry program. And so they come out here and just uh, learn about the ministry of Grace Church, uh, check out other ministries in the area. And now, so so is a, that a Grace College thing does that? Yeah. Okay. Yep. And they actually still do that every other year. Uh, they'll come out uh, to Akron and just study the ministry practically. And so Brad was one of the speakers uh, for the class, and I was actually there as a TA. I had taken the class earlier in What's my college. What's a TA? Like a teacher's assistant. Gotcha. Um, and I just remember going up to Brad after the, the class, and I said, hey, you know, looking for opportunities, graduate in May, this is Christmas time, and, and I said, hey, would be open if there's any uh, opportunities available. And so he called me about two weeks later and said, hey, would like to extend an internship to you. That's cool. And uh, I was like, yep, let's go. And so it was able for me to continue my schooling while also getting ministry experience. I love Brad. So, oh, he's awesome, isn't he's, he? He's probably like the first pastor here that I really connected with, and I just, I just think he's so cool. Yeah. He's just such a good dude. Oh, he's a good dude, He's man. such a heart for people, too. That's right. Um, so I'm right. grateful for him, for but sure. I want to ask you a few questions. Is it all right if we talk a little bit more about your dad and stuff? Before yeah, we absolutely. Yeah. Um, a couple of things you alluded to that I'd just be curious. Um, one would be like, so you never had that figure to show you what it looked like to be a man. Yeah. How you feel that, like, how, how do you step into that? And before that, maybe even, like, what is it like to grow up without a dad? Like, yeah. how how does that affect you, and what do you feel, and, like, how does that change your relationship with your mom? And I don't know. Yeah. Are you talking to that at all? You know, I've been uh, obviously wrestled for that, for, you know, r- with that question for quite some time. And especially now being a father, mm-hmm. you know, I think it hits me even harder, right? Because I'm like, what does it look like to be a dad? And people have asked me that question before, and my answer is usually I take the example that was given to me, and that's what not to do. Do the opposite. Do the opposite, yeah. right? Now, I, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and bash my dad. Like, he, he was actually a good guy. He had a tender heart. He just had a problem, yeah. right? And so he, he unfortunately just wasn't present in my life, mm-hmm. right? He was just the guy that really was in, in for the first you know, portion of my life just in there. Yeah. You know? um, didn't really have much interaction with him even when he was in our lives. Um, so that whole example of like, hey, that's what my dad did. I'm just not going to do that. And I want to be present in my own son's life. Yeah. You know, but through every chapter from the divorce on, and there was a godly man that was in my life. Right. That's cool. I, I pursued that discipleship, that mentorship relationship, and that is what I think kept me on track. 
So like middle school, it was my youth pastor, Matt Kirk. High school is the associate pastor of the church that uh, I started to attend, which was actually a Grace Brethren church, which also got me connected to Grace College. But Dave Zimmerman was that person. You know, college, uh, Timothy Kirtanik was that guy. Here, Brad was that guy. Other pastors on staff. So I've always, like, found that spiritual leader or mentor in my life that I'm like, man, I just want to learn from them. Yeah. You know, what does it look like to be a man of God? Yeah. Right? What does it look like to be a dad? What You know, so I've had those examples the whole way. And um, I, gifts from God the whole yeah, way. Yeah, that's cool. You know. That's awesome. But my relationship with my mom through it... Uh, Stronger than ever. I mean, it was just her and I, so I'm an only child. And um, I, I obviously was close to her, you know, but she always kept me on the right path, you know. Um, she always pointed me back to Christ in situations. And so, like, honestly, she was my, I'd say, hero, really. If it wasn't for her, I'd be, I wouldn't be here, obviously. But, yeah. but uh, even in life, you know, she just kept pointing me back to Jesus the whole time. So we're, like when you become a dad, were you nervous? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mean, everyone. Like I was terrified. Let's be honest. Yeah. I was terrified. But, but like, I, if I'm honest with it, like when I became a dad, like I had a good dad. Like I was fortunate to have a, have a dad that was around, and so like a lot of it was, I just was like, well, this is what he did. Yeah. This is probably what I should do. And so I mean, that helped take away some of the angst of it. For you, like when you're like, holy smokes, I'm going to be a dad. Were you, did you ever feel like, uh, can I do this? Or were you like, you know what? I've had the right people around me. I know I'm up for this. Yeah. Uh, I remember walking on the hospital deer in headlights, right? <laughs> Probably like most men, yeah. you know, walking out with a child, like I'm responsible for this human, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I tell you, there are still moments. Obviously, I'm only two and a half years into this. So working with a toddler every day is a new day. How old are you? Uh, I'm 31. Okay. Yep. And so... Um, being a dad is awesome. I love it. Um, but I'm also seeing that as I'm trying to raise my son, uh, God is just revealing a lot about who I am in it. Mm -hmm. Right. It's amazing how selfish. Oh my gosh. Isn't are, it unbelievable? Right? When, and, and I, I realized that when I was married, all right, now I have to share life with someone mm -hmm. not used to doing that. You know, I'm like, okay, that's one piece. Then you bring a kid in the mix and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Right. So God's because all of a sudden your butt. life doesn't revolve around you like almost at all. No. You're like, oh, right. and, and I'm responsible for this yeah. human. It's like, you know, I, I think of Deuteronomy and uh, Deuteronomy 6 where it's like, man, we're to, to raise our kids up in the way they should go show them, mm -hmm. right? And so I take that serious, and I want my, my son to grow up not with what I experienced but with uh, an example of who Christ is as a dad. Yeah. You know, I want him to see Jesus through me, you know, and so I take that mission pretty seriously, yeah. you know. Yeah, me too. Um, but I'm still like day by day, I'm like, all right, Lord. There's a full dependency on you because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. I know. I pray that like every day, like when I get home, I'm like driving home, getting in the driveway or whatever, like help me have patience, yep. help me love. And it's hard. I mean, cause I'll go to work. I'm talking with adults all day, having an adult conversation. It's very easy for me to go the entire day, never even remotely lose my temper never even be, you just, it's just a good day. And you come home, you're tired, you, you know, you open the door and you never know what's hitting you. And <laughs> all, it's just like, you could get hit with a war the second you walk in and it's like, all right, Lord, like I really need some guidance, you know, yeah. some patience, some love with these kids. Because sometimes you walk in and it's just like this relentless, just, I mean, chaos, yeah. really, you know. And uh, that, 
that that's how I feel anyway. You know, yeah. sometimes I'll just I'll be getting them down for bed, and I just look at them, and I'm just like, man, this is so hard. Like, I'm really glad that I have help in this. Yeah. Because uh, otherwise, I'd probably be drowning. That's right. So, like, both my wife and I, we're, we consider ourselves transplants. We're not originally from Northeast Ohio. Yeah. Um, and so we don't have family here, right? And so thankfully we have an awesome church family who surround us and love us and support us. So your mom's still um, in PA? So um, we can actually go back to that. So when I came here uh, and started my ministry, like, I got thrown some curveballs. It was pretty hard. Uh, so my mom actually passed away back in oh, 2012. Um, and so I started here in 2010. That fall, I end up in the hospital having to have surgery, you know, so I'm like, here we go. I'm yeah. like, in an area, don't know many people. I know Brad, yeah. right? Just lost and, my mom. Well, not yet. Oh, not yet, so, okay. So uh, then 2011 in the spring, my grandfather suddenly passes away. He's still teaching high school biology. Um, it was Mother's Day weekend, and he has a heart attack while mowing the lawn, Jeez. you know. Um, so that rocked me hard because that was the one consistent man that I had in my life the entire time, right? My grandfather was a godly man, and so he was always there. And so what happened was from that point, uh, so that was 2011, May, Mother's Day. Um, in the summer of 2011, my mom got diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer. Oh, man, just out of nowhere? Out of nowhere, you know, and so... She had been feeling sick or just well, the, like... the doctors kept saying it was a virus. You know, she went yeah, twice, it's a sure. virus, it's a virus. And I remember I called one of my buddy's uh, parents and said, hey, would you mind stopping by my house? Just get eyes on my mom. And I said, if it's really bad, I'm going to drive in, you know, and she, she just said, she just looks incredibly dehydrated, it looks rough. And so I drove home, took her to the emergency room, and they started to run scans and tests mm -hmm. and all of the above. And so I remember sitting in the hospital back in Harrisburg with my mom, doctor comes in, and like, that's when the news came. She actually was given six weeks to live at the time of diagnosis. Oh. Uh, she had a golf ball sized tumor on the back of her head and uh, they said that's what's ultimately going to kill her. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're like, what options do we have? Right. So surgery. Well, if that doesn't go right or, well, you still have six weeks. Now you're just using that time to recover. Mm -hmm. We can do an aggressive radiation treatment. And so we opted to go that direction and praise God, the, um, the tumor had shrunk and we were actually given 16 months together. But in that process, what happened was um, I'm trying to get her out to Akron because I'm still doing ministry. Yeah, you right? still have a job I'm, and kind of a life here. Yeah. Now, the, the church was so gracious and so supportive of me. They allowed me. So basically what happened is um, I'd be here on the weekend. I would help do ministry with the middle school. And then Sunday I would drive home. I would be home until, like, Thursday. I would drive back to Akron, do the weekend thing. Jeez. you know. And so there was just this back was and Katie forth. Katie staying here? Uh, Katie was still in school at okay. that point, and she was just getting ready to wrap up, and she was thinking about coming out here. Okay. You know, like, she was in that. Oh, yeah, because you wouldn't have been married yet. Yeah, we weren't married yet. Okay. And so finally was able to get mom shifted out here, um, and that's where it, it was almost – I remember her showing up, uh, had found a place to rent, and uh, came in. And she sat down on the couch in my living room. You could tell she had, like, this sense of arrival. Like, mm -hmm. she just relaxed. Uh, and it was only a month later than she passed away. And so it was, it was almost like she fought and fought until she mm -hmm. was with me, in a mm -hmm. sense. And so she had passed away here uh, 2012, November. And so kind of coming up on the, the anniversary yeah. of that, you know. And so uh, it was pretty hard, man. And I'll, sure. I'll be honest, it was actually a pretty dark period in my life. Because mm -hmm. here, middle school on up until that point, was wrestling with, man, I feel like God's calling me to ministry. I feel like this is the path that he has me on. 
I felt like I arrived. I felt like I was finally doing the work that God had called me to do. And I was getting hit left and right. You just get punched in the face over and over. Yeah. And so um, I remember that I literally wrestled. I don't know if I want to do this. Hmm. I don't know if I am cut out for the ministry because I feel like I keep, keep getting ripped down left and right. And we were at an all-staff meeting. And I don't even know if Jeff knows this. Um, we were at an all-staff meeting, and Jeff just shared with the staff. He usually does a devotional every time. And, and it was out of James 1 and where it talks about, hey, we're going to face trials. But when we face those trials, allow it to build perseverance in your life, right? But it says find joy in the yeah. midst of those trials. Yeah. And I remember, like, so I was sitting, like, halfway near the back, and he said that. And I, like, just, like, clenched, you know, my fist because I, I was almost angry. You like, how, am up. I, how am I supposed to find joy mm-hmm. in the midst of all of the, the stuff that I'm experiencing, right? And I just remember being angry in that moment. But then there was like this sense of peace that God gave me because I'm like, all right, he is at work. And so my mom, she had recently passed away. And I'm like, well, she's in a better place, right? She's experiencing eternity. I know where she is, full confidence. I know where my grandfather is, full confidence. And I'm like, all right, God has a plan for my life. And not that it would have been distractions, but could those relationships, even the ones that are the closest to me, interfere with the work that the Lord has before me? And so I left that meeting feeling uh, a sense of, of peace. I'm like, all right, That's cool. God's got a plan, you know, because I was ready to throw in the towel. Yeah. And I was only a couple years in, yeah. you know. You're like 24. Um, yeah, like, I'm, right? I'm like, what is happening, you mm-hmm. know? And so I just remember being so encouraged uh, by that devotional. And it's like, all right, Lord, you've got this. And there was a plan through That's it. a big thing I've been walking in. And, you know, I've been fortunate. I haven't had, we haven't had a, a ton of loss. Like, we just haven't. And we, we lost a son. I've talked about that. We had a stillbirth. Uh, we've had some, and I had an aunt killed in a car wreck. I actually had a, my uncle's funeral is tomorrow. Um, and, and so I haven't, I, both my parents are alive, you know, and, uh, but one thing I've been sitting on for like a year is, um, I, I like to read a lot and I've really, I listen to Piper, John Piper a lot. Yeah. And one of the things he's kind of discipled into my head is that, um, this picture of joy in the Christian walk. And, and, and for years and years, I never knew what I felt. I, I, like, well, I was not a Christian growing up. Like, I grew in a Christian home, Christian parents. My brother and sister were both Christians. Grandparents, uncles, everybody. is like yeah. I got missionaries in my family. I got oh, a bunch of awesome. pastors. Like this incredible tree. And there's me. And not like I was a black sheep. Like I was just a normal kid. But I had basketball was good. I was pretty good at basketball. I had friends. And a girlfriend, I'm like, I, there's no need here. And, and so I'm like, I don't need anything. Yeah. So I thought, right? And yeah. uh, <laughs> just an idiot talking now. But, um, but I think it took me till the last year to really put into words what I was feeling the whole time. Is I felt my entire childhood and even into college, like what I hear at church is that for me to do, to live this life, maybe like you, to, to go into the, to the, ministry or whatever for me to do god's plan for me is to submit to him and do his will or i can try to do my will but only my will is going to make me happy his isn't going to make me happy that's what i thought so it was like this tension of i want to be happy but somehow i'm supposed to serve him and and if i do that then i give up my happiness and so i I never knew how to reconcile that until maybe the last year or two and, and what i found is like those are not at odds yeah and i think we see that the most in like the dark times is like joy in him is essential. Mm-hmm. 
And so I felt that like when my uncle died and I was able to reach out to my aunt, I was like, listen, like we can, we're going to be upset. Like we're going to be sad for you. We're going to be sad for his sons, but we're not going to be sad for him. Yeah. Right. Because he has a reality that he's experiencing right now that I can't even fathom. Sure. Like it just blows your mind. It's it's just beyond the the joy that he's experiencing right now. Um, And so a, a verse that I've adopted that's just meant so much to me is Philippians, sorry, one when he says to live in is Christ, to die is gain. And what has been building to me and I'm learning is like to die is gain because to die is to be with him. Mm-hmm. And that is the ultimate joy. That's right. And so that's been such a, a cool part of the last year of my life is to be able to look at when people are going through stuff or we going through stuff and be like under it all, like he is there and he is the joy. Yeah. And so it's awesome to hear you say that. Like you can look at your mom and be like, we're going to cry because I'm going to miss her. Like she was my sure. best friend. But I know that, like, under this, like, there's a joy. We can rejoice in this because she is now with him. Yep. Like, and that is so far better than anything here. Yeah, I, it, I think it's what wild. Happens, like, we, we get, um, I call them the blinders or, you know, the tunnel vision. Right? Yeah, like the earthly we, vision. We can only see what's right in front mm-hmm. of us, right? And so I had no idea what God was doing in the period from when I felt called to when my relationship with him started to the current day, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't see it when I was in the midst of it. But now that I'm through a storm, right, you look back and you see, wow, God was there the whole time, Mm -hmm. right? He will never leave us nor forsake us. He is there. It's hard to see that when we're in it. Yeah, it is. Right? But when we get hindsight, when we look back and we see where uh, we've come from and what he's done and how he's shown up in the midst of those um, pains or, or mm-hmm. storms that we were experiencing, it, it kind of can give you a different perspective. You're like, all right, Lord, thanks. Yeah. Right. I, I can actually experience the joy of what you're doing, even in the midst of the pain. Even in deep there. sorrow, you can have joy. Right. Yeah. Because he's there. He's not leaving us. Yeah. Right? Nothing in life brings that. He is the only, yep. he is the only thing that brings joy and sorrow. That's right. I know. I, I always say on here, people are going to get sick of saying this, um, <laughs> that, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, when we find joy in him. And, and so often that is in our deepest, darkest times. Yeah. Like when it's we can sit and say, I lost, just lost my mom, and I'm broken up over this. That's right. But like I'm still deeply satisfied in you. That's right. That's incredible. I love him. Because sometimes the only time to get through, through those uh, difficult situations is by leaning in on Christ, mm-hmm. right? We're, we don't have the power to do it on our own. No. It's only by the grace of God that we're able to sometimes fight through those storms. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, to be able to share that hope, to share the joy that I've been able to experience, that's what powers me up. That's what gives me the energy to keep pushing forward because yeah. I want other people to experience uh, the, the joy and the peace that I found in Christ. That's cool. That's the fuel, man. Yeah, that just keeps you going. That's the fire. So I want to maybe just pick back up. Sorry, we got yeah, a little sidetracked on my piperisms there. Um, they're going to listen back. Ben, you got to start. We're going to edit this stuff out. You can't talk about Piper so much. Um, all right. So, so you come out of that, maybe that moment where you're in with, with the all staff and you're like, okay, like I feeling you feel maybe God speaking to you a little bit of like, okay, I got this. You know what I mean? So how does that push you on? Because you said, you, I mean, you were kind of reeling. You're ready to like throw in the towel almost. Sure. What happens next? Well, it's amazing how <clears throat> I my perspective shifted, mm-hmm. right? Like instantly. Instantly. It was That's one cool. of those things where I'm like, all right, 
remember that God is using you. Remember he is at work, right? Like I was neglecting that truth. I just, I, I almost didn't want to even accept that God was working because mm-hmm. I was experiencing so much pain. Yeah. And so like I, I went on a healing process, right? I, I took time and, and really I'm like, I have to give more of myself to the Lord. Like I need to remove myself sometimes from the busyness and um, just spend time with him. Right. And, and so my prayers started to shift. It's like, Lord, reveal yourself. Mm. What do you have for me? Yeah. Right. Allow me to see you in a new light and, and not get blinded by the pain. Allow me to work on this, but allow me to see you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's amazing how he showed up. Different interactions with students, different opportunities to come alongside of people who might be experiencing similar stuff. Uh, I think we're, our, our stories, our testimonies, whatever you want to call them, they're, they're blessings, mm-hmm. right? Because that's how God's going to show up in our lives and impact other people. That's what this podcast is. Okay. I mean, that's it, basically what it is. It's the story of the people of, of the church, and predominantly Grace Church, but the church in general, some yeah. people outside, and it's just like, this is what God's doing in their life. This is going to bless some people. This is going to yeah. encourage some people. Man, my prayer is that God will always use my story. Mm-hmm. I want to come alongside of a teenager, a parent, whoever it might be, to say, look, I actually know what you're feeling. I've been in your yeah, shoes. I've literally, I've, I've literally I've been there. That. Mm-hmm. And, and as much as you're not going to like understand this right away, there is going to be, you're going to experience hope. You're going to get through this. That's you know? cool. Let's link arms. Let's do it together. Right. As I, as I show you Christ, right. I'm hoping that you can find the, the peace and the hope that's found. In yeah. Him. I remember when we had, um, <laughs> so that couple of December's ago when, when we lost our son or whatever, there was a, a uniqueness of people reaching out of like, Hey, we're praying for you. And we were so appreciative of everybody. I mean, we just, it was unbelievable, but there was a uniqueness of someone that could come and put their arm around and be like, um, you might not know this, but this happened to us 25 years ago. This, we did this too. We, and there were so many people that just kind of put their arms around us. was like, Hey, um, we lost a son too. We lost a daughter here and there. And there's just like, and I'm like, how did you get through it? Like, what, you know what I mean? And they were able to reach out and kind of just put their arms around us. And there's a uniqueness and a special, uh, you you feel it differently when they're like I've been there, yeah. Because you know what I mean. You're always like, yeah. oh, you really do understand. Yeah, you get me. And then you look at them differently, and you're like, okay, I'm I want to learn from you. You know, as opposed to people like I'm even even we you appreciate the genuineness of sure. like, dude, like for you to walk up to a a kid if you've never been through that and be like, I'm so sorry to hear about your dad. Like if I can be there in any way you need, that's a great thing. Yeah. But for you to walk up to him and be like, I'm so sorry about this. I've actually been there. Can, yep. can we do this together? That's right. What a unique opportunity. You know, and it, and it does, and I've seen that with, with students and adults where it's like that guard comes down in a sense. Like the walls drop. You get it. Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to have that relationship and, and to be able to walk through it together, yeah. I mean, it's is, is your Is your dad still alive? Uh, so he actually passed away a couple of years ago. Okay. And that's actually a, um, a pretty crazy story within itself. So um, we got time. Had been out of my life. Right. Yeah. So um, 13, he kind of out 12, 13. Yeah. Yep. So that's, that's when, uh, the divorce happened when I was that age. Right. Yeah. But then it's been about that many years up until the point where I got engaged or let me rewind a little bit. Mom's funeral. So this is 2012. How old, how old would you have been when your mom died? Uh, 2000. Well, 26. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, 25, 26. <clears throat> So we're at the funeral, um, and I caught wind that my dad was going to come. So I haven't seen my dad since. It's like 14, 15 years. Exactly. Like and so he shows up. Jeez. And, uh, and I remember, like, 
I was able to prepare mentally a little bit, you know, already an emotional day to begin with. Yeah. Um, but my dad shows up and, and started to have a conversation with him. And long story short, I was, be able, I was able to tell him, I'm like, hey, you're still my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that doesn't change. You still carry that title. And I just want you to know that I forgive you, mm-hmm. you know, and that uh, I would love to, to kind of rekindle this relationship a little bit. That's so awesome that and, you did and that. It was emotional for him. Like, it was, in a sense, like, it, I don't want to be, like, gruesome about it, but, like, I was actually okay seeing him get emotional over it, mm-hmm. right? Because I had been dealing with this loss or this void in my life of my dad and to see him and having the emotions of my mom not being with us anymore and to see him there. So we swapped numbers, hoping that, you know, he'd reach out. And I hadn't heard from him. Uh, my, my wife and I got engaged, and uh, I ended up sending him an invite to the wedding. Um, and he came. But obviously at a wedding, you're not going yeah, to talk to minutes. Talk to, yeah, it's yeah. like, hey, so grateful you came and you move on. Um, but I was, I was grateful that he came. Like, it was encouraging. And I'm like, well, maybe there's hope there. Uh, got back, got settled into life, and it was a Wednesday night. We actually had our high school ministry going on. We were over in the student center, and I received a call uh, from Gettysburg, PA, real close to where I was living. The kicker was my entire life when I was there in central PA, my dad was 10 miles away. That's unbelievable. So, so it's not like he was on the other he side of the he country. He to Hawaii. He was 10. I could have run into him at any time at a store, right? I mean, it's just didn't know that at the time, but in hindsight, I'm like, really? Is yeah, that what's happening here? So um, – he calls me out of the blue and uh, just says, hey, you know what? I, I would love to come out and visit. I would love to um, really get back into your life. You know, just summarizing. I'm like, that would be awesome. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, and it was a short conversation, but in a sense, it was kind of like some uh, attempt to kind of rekindle this, this walk a little bit, this relationship. So a couple months down the road, uh, started to receive a couple phone calls from Gettysburg PA one night and I was uh, at a wedding so I couldn't take the calls and afterwards there was a I called the number back and it was Gettysburg Regional Hospital hmm. and um and, and so the nurse is explaining hey your your dad has been admitted was brought here by ambulance uh he's in critical condition uh dealing with internal bleeding and just was in in rough shape and not sure that he's going to pull through the night Hmm. and we want to make you aware. And I remember talking to the nurse. I said, I know this is none of your business, but I've got a a kind of a crazy question. I said, why did you call me? Right. And I was the only phone number in his cell phone. They had no one else to call. That is unbelievable. At that time. And so I'm like, what is happening right now? And so I I did, I was able to uh, pull together his brother's number and I called Bill and I said, Hey, what, what's going on? You know? And, and he's like, well, here's what's been happening with your dad. He's kind of been sick lately, and uh, and they're not sure he's going to pull through. Well, the next day he ended up passing away. Jeez. And um, Bill asked if I would do his funeral. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I'm Did you like, have to think on that one. Oh, I was like, I'm yeah, going to have man. to get back to you. You know, yeah. give me a you know a day or two to to process and pray about that. And so I'm immediately I'm like, all right, I need to seek wisdom on this one. So I called a couple of our pastors, sat down with Jeff sat down with Dr. Fisher and I said, what do I do? And the advice that Jeff gave me, and I love this was, you know, we're, we're called to honor our mom and dad, mm-hmm. you know, that's incredible. And he's like, you've had that. the opportunity to honor your dad and you have an opportunity to honor him till the very end. And I'm like, you're right. You know, it's like, dang it. This is as clear as can be. I need to do this, yeah. you know? And so, uh, agreed to, to do the graveside funeral and 
side of a family I've been disconnected to since middle school, mm-hmm. right? Haven't seen anybody on this side of the family. Well, 80 some people show up on this graveside, you know, funeral. And, um, my dad, uh, like I said earlier, was struggling with, uh, alcoholism, right? Was in an organization, um, that basically took uh, men in with addictions. Uh, it was a Christian-based organization. My dad found Christ through this organization there in, in Gettysburg and uh, graduated from the program. Th- that would have been my senior year when he wrote that letter. In college. In college. And he stayed uh, uh, He stayed at that place and came on staff. And oh, wow. there were three, like, 15-passenger vans that pulled up, and these guys just kept coming out you know, of the van and they stood around and after the funeral, every single one of them lined up probably 30. So of them and every single one of them came up to me and said, I want you to know that, uh, your dad introduced me to Christ. Your dad was the one who ultimately put me on the path of my recovery. Like all of these incredible stories of life change that my dad had in their lives. Mm -hmm. And so here I'm like, wow, my dad left a legacy. Yeah, right? that's and insane. a legacy for Christ. I have never left so encouraged, but ticked off at the same yeah. time. Because I'm like, what about me? What about me? What man? about me? Yeah. I'm his son, you know. And, and so I wrestled with that for a little bit. But then, you know what? The 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 encouragement took over because here, my dad was dealing with his guilt, his shame, mm-hmm. all of the above. I know, right? But he left a legacy for the kingdom. Yeah. These men are, are going to experience eternity in heaven because somebody did that for my dad. And I love that. Yeah. Right? And, and I'm, I'm blown away by that. And I know that I'll be reunited with him That's again cool. one day. So, That's unbelievable. I didn't um, see that like, coming. Mind blown. Yeah. Mixed emotions because I'm like, what is happening? Right? Um, but praise God. Yeah. You know, praise God. And so, again, you come through this story and you're like, I don't see it in the moment. But God was at work the whole yeah. time. Chandler always says, um, sometimes we have to look at life through the 10,000-year yeah. view. And he said, 10,000 years from now, in the kingdom, is any of this stuff going to matter? That's you right. know what I mean? He's like, you're going to look back, and none of it matters. That's right. Like, just him and what he's done here in the legacy. Definitely. I did not see that coming. That's, in, that's incredible. What an awesome story of redemption for your dad. Exactly. And I'm so glad you got to be a part of that. Like, if you hadn't gone to the funeral, you would have never I known that. I would have never known it. Isn't that cool how God like orchestrates little things like for you? Yeah, like that was for you. You know what I mean? Like His work. I mean, clearly your dad was at work for the Lord and for these men, but like that little moment was for you. That's exactly right, and it was a a true blessing. And I'm grateful for that. That's so cool. I appreciate you sharing all that. That's oh my pleasure. That's a lot, man. I'm grateful for the story that God's given me. Yeah. All right, so I want to transition a little bit just to what we're doing here, um, what you're doing at Grace now. Like I said, uh, you're the student ministries six through eighth or six through twelve, excuse me. Um, and so I, I want to talk about kind of what that looks like here. Okay. So, what all do you do here? What's your what's your vision? What's your goal? What's your daily life look like here? Yeah. So I'm, I like to think I'm living the dream a little bit, right? And uh, love that I get to work with middle school and high school students. So oversee uh, both of those ministries. 
um, have been doing that for about five years now. Uh, so when I came on, Pastor Brad was the pastor of student ministries. Yeah, and, so that's how and, I, when I first came here, he was doing okay. that. Okay, and so, so we, we were in a little bit of a shift. So what happened was he is now overseeing all family ministries. So he's the lead You got pastor. the promotion. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so uh, I was able to follow a little bit in that promotion as well. So yeah. now I have the privilege of working with uh, yeah, your, our His promotion was your ministries. promotion. That's exactly right. I'm like, thanks, Brad. Yeah. Appreciate you, bro. Um, and so I love it. I absolutely love uh, working with uh, teenagers because of what the impact was in my life at that time. I feel like I get to give back. Because you had a pretty massive impact yeah. from, from some youth, from youth pastors. Youth pastor. and... Yeah. And so I'm like, I get to, I get to do that for mm-hmm. something that was done for me. And I'm, I'm grateful uh, to be able to come alongside of young people. I think the middle school and high school years are pivotal, right? They're wrestling with the questions, yeah. who am I? Mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to point them in the direction of Christ so that their identity is found in him and him alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard, right? I think it's harder to be a teenager today than it's ever been. It, def- it really is, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely- I mean, they're, they're getting hit left and right. Mm-hmm. And I feel for them. My heart breaks for them all the time. Um, but I know that if they lock in on the hope of Christ and, and who he is and them being fearfully and wonderfully made and they wrap all of that together, man, they're going to they're gonna be on the path you know, of pursuing him and mm-hmm. understanding what uh, he has for each of them, the plan that he has for them. Yeah. So what do you do? You lead, um, so Sundays you're pretty busy here with them. Yeah. You use it Wednesday nights? Yeah. So on the weekend we have our middle school program. Okay. Uh, so Saturday night, Sunday morning. So it's kind of during the, the church service, yeah. right? Uh, so while the parents are... That's middle school. Middle school. Okay. While they're in uh, the adult service, uh, the middle school students are with us over in the student center uh, or in the extension there. Um, and, uh, I have a team that works with me. And so they do a lot of the middle school stuff. I'm actually currently teaching in the middle school world just to kind of get back into that circle yeah. and, and get to know the students a little bit. So that's been uh, refreshing. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Wednesday middle night. Middle schoolers are wild, aren't oh, they? Off the it is yeah, such a crazy, like controlled chaos. Oh man. my goodness. Controlled chaos. Yeah. It's good. God bless you. I love high schoolers. Middle schoolers are nuts. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love middle school. I really do. They make me laugh yeah. and you never know what to expect. No. Right. It, it, yeah. We, we could go on for hours about that one. But uh, so our high school uh, ministry is on Wednesday nights. So this would be. Oh, okay. I didn't. So they don't have. The high schools are just in the main auditorium yep. on Sundays, right? Yeah. We invite them to be a part of the weekend service. So whoever's preaching on the weekend, their messages are going to apply for a high school student. Yeah. And our, our pastors do such a great job of of making it um, suitable for a high school student. Like mm-hmm. the application's going to apply for any age, mm-hmm. right? And I love that. And I think multi generational worship is so important. Right when you look around the auditorium and you see all ages, I think that does something for the the body, the the kingdom of Christ. And so, uh, our uh, our students love it, and they get to experience what you know we would experience if we were sitting in service. So on Wednesday night, it would be more of the um, like the place for our students to invite their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're pulling students from all over. We have so many different schools represented in our ministry. It is a cool spot because I mean it's. It's on Gent Road, and it's just like yeah. there's like seven schools, like in like a really like not that big big of a radius, yeah. like right around here. I mean, we're we're getting students all the way from Talmadge that will come across yeah. and and just getting plugged in. And what I love about this, and this is something that um, we harp on, is we want uh, our high school ministry and our middle school ministry uh, to to be a place where students feel like they can be themselves. Mm-hmm. They don't have to come in and put on the mask. They get to be them. You don't need polished church kids. You nope. need kids. Well, I just want them to be them. You know, I, I don't care about the baggage that they're bringing in because we all are, mm-hmm. right? I just want you to be you. 
and, and come in and uh, get connected because I think community is so important. God doesn't want us to live this life alone. I think especially in the teenage years, that's so important, right? Yeah. Because that can be something that will, will tear them down if they're living life alone, mm-hmm. right? And so come in, be you. And hear the truth about who Jesus is and allow that to meet them where they're at. That's pretty cool. Yep. Um, all right, let me ask you a couple questions here. Yep. What is, what's the hardest part about working with teenagers? Ooh. I think the, the influences that are in their life, right? They're getting pulled so many different ways. They're getting pounded. Yep. And so uh, social media. Uh, I think it's, it has completely shifted a teenager's world, right? Um, their, um, them feeling accepted in, in the sense of belonging is no longer with uh, face-to-face interaction. Mm-hmm. It is, do I feel loved? Do I feel like I belong? While they're scrolling on their phone. Yeah. You know? And so social media has had this incredible impact on this generation. Um, and through that, it's like, man, they're... There's not as necessarily a sensitivity to the gospel. It's almost like they're, um, why do I need it? It's just something that they're not even thinking that's important to them, hmm. right? And so you're dealing with this, in a sense, a cold generation, right? And I think that's the challenge because, you know, I believe they, they need to lock into the hope that's found in Jesus and allow that to transform their lives. But in a sense, you're always answering the question, so what? Why is this important to me? Yeah. Right? And so there's so many challenges that come with that. So the influences that they're having in their life, right, in a sense, we're, we're always butting heads with those things. Um, but we're going to stay true. We're going to mm-hmm. stay on course. Make sure we're pointing them in the direction of Jesus. Yeah. But that has definitely been one of the most challenging things. Social media in kids is crazy, isn't it? It like, is. I, it's detrimental. I hate it. Like, I, I think I, I kind of hate it now. Yeah. Um, I remember, like, a picture of that is I remember, like, a, a girl one time, she was explaining to us that, we're like, why did you delete that? And she's like, it didn't have enough likes. I was like, wait, wait what? Yep. And she's like, well, if you post something and it doesn't get enough likes, you, you just take it down. Yeah. And I was, and that, like, that was such a, she didn't even understand what she was saying. But that is an unbelievably profound statement, <laughs> you know, about the culture of, of teenagers today. Their, their value and worth is found in the double click like. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, yeah, I, I just don't understand it because obviously, you know, when our, our upbringing, we kind of, we experienced it later. We're, yeah. We weren't in our teenage years yeah. when social media took off, but it's influencing them. Yeah, you know, and and it's influencing us as well. Yeah. I'm not just saying it's. Yeah, teenagers. we're not like seventy year old grumpy men here. Right. Those yeah. kids. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it impacts my life. It's a great communication tool. It can be used well, but unfortunately, right? They're they're not using it for for the yeah. right things at times, and so, so it's hard. I don't know. I don't even know if you have an answer to this. Like, what do you? How do you get through to a kid, not just with the gospel, but like you have an identity that, that that is not determined just by what people think of you? Because like I had such a hard time with that, with trying to help kids understand that. Yeah. And and like a few of them would lock into it, but most of them, they could just never get past it. And I'm like, that doesn't just go away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these teenagers now are going to be 30 years old someday. That's right. And they're going to have the same the same feeling going forward. Yep. Uh, and that's so hard. Yeah. And I, I will personally beat myself up because I'm like, why didn't I take that conversation further? Or what can I do to, in a sense, get through to them, mm-hmm. you know, that, that truth of like, man, you know, just grab a hold of the truth of who Jesus is. Like, you know, it, your, your identity is not found in, in that relationship. 
you know, it's found in Christ. And, and so, oh man, I'll, I'll wrestle with that yeah. for a long time. But here's the, the reality that I have to face. I am not the one saving these kids. Amen. For sure. It is the Lord. Amen. And so my job is to help point them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. I will pray for them all day. I will, I will teach the truth of what God's word says and the truth of who Jesus is, but I am not the one saving those kids. Yeah. And so I have to, in a sense, find peace knowing that the Lord is going to be at work. And I might be just the, the person in their life that takes them one step closer, yeah. right? I always think of the old school scoreboard where you're, you're turning the number, right? Yeah. And I'm like, if I can just take him one step further, one number, right? And someone else is going to come along in their life. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to quote Chandler again because he's my guy. Um, I was talking about this with Tanya because we were just talking about our girls and stuff, and it's just like there's nothing more than that I just plead for in my prayers and like that God will save them, yep. um, just that they'll have life forever with him and that that will start young. I always pray like start it like young. You That's know right. what I mean? Like don't even have have this crazy redemption. Like just grab their hearts. And I take a couple of things. He always says like our job as parents or our job for you and youth ministry is like we're just going to put as much firewood, as much kindling, all this stuff around these kids' hearts as we can, and then we're going to pour our lives out in prayer because it's him who lights, who strikes the match. That's he right. has to light the fire. I know, like, and I, and I know that. Like, looking at my own life, I was surrounded with Christian people, like my entire family. And it took till college before God really just tore my heart up. That's right. He, and it was in his own time. You know what I mean? And I know my parents probably struggled with that for sure. They're like, why, why doesn't he want anything to do with this? And it was... I give him a simple answer now. God hadn't pursued my heart yet. That's right. You know, and then he did. And then it was over (laughs) right quickly. He came for me and he just ripped me and that was it. And And we we praise God for those moments, right? And and Mm -hmm. we pray for every, you know, I think of a student at times, he'll pop in my head and I just stop and I pray for them, right? And it's like, Lord, don't know where they are. Just meet them where they're at, you know? And I pray you put somebody in their path that will show your love. That's awesome. All right, let me get you out of here in a couple questions here. Um, What's the biggest thing the Lord has taught you since you've been here about yourself? Uh, patience and my selfishness. Um, Same. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like I feel up until the point of getting here, it was like fend for yourself, Todd. You, you got to think about you right now, you know, buckle down and do your thing. And then uh, coming into a ministry and experiencing the sacrifice of ministry getting married and realizing that it's not about you, Todd, right? Uh, having a son and getting ready to have a second, it's not about you, Todd, you know? And so um, really breaking down, uh, again, uh, those those walls that I, were, that I was building up, yeah. you know, just being selfish and, and being prideful in that. And so just... I feel that all the time. Like, <laughs> I still like, wrestle with it. Let's be I, honest. I mean, right? I just do. It's just like I'll go to work and... And I just see it in everybody there, and then I see it in my own life, and it's just like I have this picture, and I just think I'm in the center, and this world is just revolving around it. And then God just keeps whispering, you're not in the center. You're yeah. not in the center. This it's is not, not about, about you. you. This is not about and you. And you're like, but I want it to be about me. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I feel that too, man. I, I think I'll probably feel that for the rest of my Oh, I wrestle here. with it. You know, my, if my wife's listening to this, she's probably chuckling, right? <laughs> yeah, because we did. have this conversation yeah. often, you know, yeah. it's like, and I love it because she helps, she helps bring that out of me, you know, like it, it, working on it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and she always uh, reminds me. You know, that's awesome. But, yeah. That's All right. Good. Last question. I've been yep. trying to, I forgot this a couple of times, but I've been trying to do this. All right. Um, why do you love Jesus? Hmm. 
he has given me an example of what a, a father looks like. Um, he has allowed me to uh, experience that love, that unconditional love. Um, and in a sense, I'm like, man, I want that to be an example in my life and how I love other people. And so I love Jesus just because I know he has me in his hands. And there is a sense of peace that comes with that. And I'm like, I don't want to keep that to myself. I want that love to be given away. And I want to do anything in my power to make sure other people experience that love as well. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, this was great, man. I appreciate your time. Well, I appreciate the I think the people are going to love hearing this from you. So thanks. Thanks for being here with yeah. me. Yeah. Right. man, Ben. Thanks care. so much.